even in that intimate place of prayer before Father God, we can be hypocritical. So only recently, actually since Crystal Cryer from 24-7 Prayer met with about 20 of us or something like that and taught us on prayer that I appreciated (laughs) that I am empowered by others in prayer. I used to think, why is it I can pray better in crowds than I can myself? I know that I am desperately, I'm terrible at praying for an hour on my own. I've got too many things to do, too distracted, and I like to sleep. But with others, maybe I'm I'm an external processor or I'm inspired by others' prayers. I find my prayer life when I'm together with God's people, wow, really explodes. So there's some beginning thoughts before Kath comes up. Just on the Lord's Prayer, maybe it's the disciples' prayer, it's a prayer of the citizens, it's a prayer model. We need to watch that we're not hypocritical. And that we don't just use it because it was used all the time when we were in church when we were a lad or a lass. And if, as we get through these six clauses, which we're going to do in five, I'm going to do two next week together. The first three are all about petitions to God or claims about God. And then the the last three are about us. And isn't that the way in which, if we remember anything from today, please remember this, when we approach the Lord in prayer, it should always be Him first and us second. Even if we are desperate, focus in on His glory and then let everything else come afterwards. Kath, if you would come and share uh, the Lord's Word. If you would open up to Matthew, please, uh, chapter 6. Matthew, chapter 6, beginning at verse 5. It's page 970 in your Bible. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, Do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows when you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when, you sin, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. 
This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks be to God. So hopefully we're going to follow um, my wee Prezi presentation up here. Hopefully. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Let's go through it step by step, almost word by word, because all we're going to look at this morning is our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, quite short, and uh, so um, I'm going to fire through some scriptures here and there, but first of all, I want to focus in on God, our Father. This is then how you should pray, our Father. The word Father. And, and right off the bat, I, I know that there are many people here who have difficulty with fathers. Um, and it may be too much for me to ask to put that to the side. And maybe that is why I says, come expectant to hear. Beyond even your darkest experiences, if your father experience was difficult. And hear who he is, the one who who made you fearfully and wonderfully made. So father of the word pater up there is the genitor by which, by whom, sorry, someone is begotten. In other words, um, made more simply, uh, he's someone who fathers a child. Uh, he begots a child. He is the progenitor, the ancestor the forefather, so therefore Abraham, not Abraham, Adam was the progenitor of the human race. So that is this idea of the, the father, someone who is before us, who births us, who brings us into being, such as Adam, who was the, the first of the human race. And father is the title used uh, for God quite a lot in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament, it's used sparingly as a title to describe him in particular. But yeah, 14 occasions. Um, it is used uh, in analogy forms, but rarely is it to do with God as an individual. Um, it's commonly used to direct him when speaking of the, the nation of Israel, uh, time and time again, and there's some scriptures there if you, you want to look at, but on the whole, in the Old Testament, this intimacy of approaching God and saying, Father, isn't there with any of the intensity that it is in the New Testament. Therefore, when the disciples approached Jesus and said, how should we approach God Remember, these were people who knew how to pray. And so when Jesus says, approach him as father, that would have been quite unusual, more than unusual, startling, surprising for first century Jewish men and women. They were undoubtedly used to God being um, sovereign, otherly, beyond imagination. So therefore, the song, which we've not sung this morning, um, but you will know, uh, they would have got this 
description of who God is, immortal, invisible, God only wise, in light, inaccessible, hid from our eyes, most blessed, most glorious, the ancient of days, almighty, victorious, thy great name we praise. Describing the sovereignty and the majesty of God, unresting, unhasting, and silent as light, not wanting, not wasting, thou rulest in might. Thy justice like mountains, high soaring above, thy clouds which are fountains of goodness and love, and on and on and on. Great Father of glory. This idea was new to them. Pure Father of light. Thine angels adore thee, all, veiled, all veiling their sight. O oh Lord, we would render, or oh help us to see. Tis only the splendor of light hideth thee. Jesus, how should we approach God Almighty? How should we pray to him? In what way? As Father. That would have been quite unusual for these guys and yet Jesus himself addresses God only as Father over 60 times. Never referring to him in any other way. And in fact, all of his prayers were addressed to Father except for one. And you'll find that right at the end of Matthew chapter 27 and verse 46 where Jesus quotes intentionally Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? His only prayer, he does not address God as Father. And in addressing God as Abba, as Father, I'm going to that next actually. There we are. Jesus is addressing him as Papa. We know that. And actually, uh, Joachim Jeremus, who, is a, 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 who was a German theologian, wrote with others to describe how this word of Father, of Abba, is most likely the word that Jesus uses here in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. He, he argues that in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus authorizes his disciples to repeat the word Abba after him. He gives them a share in his sonship and empowers them as his disciples to speak with their heavenly father in just such a familiar, trusting way as a child would with his father. This has got no parallels anywhere in Jewish literature. Abba, the word used by a child in addressing his and her father was where that word always uh, was to be found. Never in approaching the almighty sovereign Lord. The sovereign Lord who was much used to being addressed, not so much from afar, but with reverence and with fear because of what he has done. The very first song written in our, uh, I think anyway, from memory serves me right, from our scriptures in Exodus 15. When you read the song of Moses, you, you read of God as being a warrior 
Why a warrior? Because God has just saved them from the might of the superpower of Egypt. And how uh, God's right hand is majestic in power. Why his right hand? Because that is where the strength was thought to be. And how God scattered enemies. He was great in majesty, unleashing his burning anger, etc., etc. Even from his nostrils, blowing out power that would separate the seas. They were used to approaching their creator and sustainer with that understanding, even in prayer. And it wasn't far off, but yet Christ was encouraging them to come closer and closer and closer. And as a father in a good relationship with his child, that relationship was one of intimacy and of trust and of knowledge, and it was very natural. And the opposite side of this, this reminds me of the, uh, something that happened. I don't know if I need to do this again. Yeah, that'll do me. In Acts chapter 19, it's quite an unusual story where you have the seven sons of Sceva. Forgive me my pronunciation. And they were sons of a high priest. And they went out of their way to try and cast out evil spirits. And this is what happened. They tried to evoke the name of Jesus, the intimacy of Jesus, the power of Jesus. And this is what the evil spirits say to these seven sons of Sceva. And the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. That's what they said. And the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them all, and he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. They were not known by this spiritual power, by this evil spirit, who undoubtedly knew Jesus Christ as the chosen one, the Messiah, the risen one. And they had heard, this evil spirit had heard rumors of Paul who went about with other disciples doing many works of uh, wonder and light in the name of Christ Jesus, but they did not know these individuals. Why? And it's because they did not know whom they were calling upon. They did not know they didn't have the, true, the tools of the family trade. I don't have a, a, a gift of, of healing. I, I, don't, I, I can't remember too many occasions where we've been praying with someone and someone's been healed because of any ministry that I have. I've just not got it. But I know what God has called me to. I know God has called me to be a leader, to be a teacher, to be a pastor, and in there, there's something to do with evangelism and quite a few people in here tell me that. I know because I know what my Lord has called me to. And yet these guys who tried to step out into some ministry did not know and they were not known by their enemy. Or they were. They know probably more than about uh, the seven sons and the seven sons knew about themselves. Paul reminds us of who we are 
and what that means. Because we're born of the Holy Spirit, because we've been redeemed by Jesus Christ, we are therefore adopted into God's family. And that is an intimate place. He says in Galatians 4, But when the time set had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, <coughs> born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption as to sonship because we are his sons and daughters, obviously. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts and the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. I love that when my pastor Edwin was here last week preaching and he spoke about prayer and he spoke about the groaning of the Spirit. And some of you in here know what that's like. There is an intimacy in the Spirit with the Father in Christ and we just can't articulate words in our prayers and we just groan. Abba, Father. Therefore, God is our Father. We are known. The evil spirits would know us. <coughs> and we're known not because we come from some Jewish lineage, and I only know of one person in here. Excuse me. <coughs> I'm not going to do a Theresa May here. <coughs> you know what I mean. I mean. <coughs> Anybody? Mm. Seriously, has anybody got a sweetie? Right, what am I getting this morning? Blackjack? As long as it's not a fisherman's friend. Boy, Jesus was a fisherman. Oh, <laughs> Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not out of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. And as we come to the Lord and we pray, our Father, it need not be distant. It need not be a traditional thing. It, it, it can be coming in intimacy because of what has already been accomplished by Christ in the cross. It is finished was his cry. Know who you are. Receive that which has already been given. Father Heart of God, an old book, Floyd McClung. I'm just going to read a couple of wee bits from this. What does God look like? He looks like Jesus. I don't mean his physical features, for God is a spirit. But through Jesus' love and concern for people, we see what God is really like. It becomes clear that he was not just another religious guru. By his actions and words, he demonstrated that he was a unique revelation of God. And not just God as the Jewish leaders of their day thought, 
they knew God to be almighty and supreme. Jesus spoke about God as his father, a father who was merciful and forgiving, kind and loving. Yes, he is holy and righteous also, but many people have thought that if you believe God is holy, you cannot even so much as smile or act happy. And you can never wear bright colored clothes or enjoy the arts or love life. But the Bible reveals the true God, the God who created life and has created it for us to enjoy. Jesus told his disciples, I came that they may have life and to have it abundantly. But to call God Father is difficult for some people. It seems that they can call him anything but Papa or Father. They experience an emotional reaction that they themselves do not understand. There seems to be some kind of mental or emotional block to using the words Father or Papa in talking to our God. And why is this? I believe that there are several reasons why this idea of Father may be difficult for some people here. One is that some people have been taught all their lives that in order to respect God, they must always address him as thou. They feel that to use informal terms in talking about God or to, or to him is disrespectful. Such terminology may be good 17th century English, but it is not biblical. I agree with them there. The Bible teaches us to call God Father when we pray and that the Father wants to have a close, intimate relationship with us. And other people cannot call God Father in a spontaneous manner because they do not know him personally. The Bible teaches that there is a difference in knowing about and knowing God in a personal way. To all who receive him, to all who believe in his name, he gave power to become children of God. And this verse teaches that there are two things we must do to become children of God. First, we must believe in his name. And that means we believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died on the cross in order to take the punishment for our sins and that he was raised from the dead as the Bible says he was. And secondly, we must receive him. And that means we go beyond intellectual assent to actually praying and asking God to forgive us of our sins and inviting Jesus to be supreme in our lives. And when we do these two things, he becomes our Father in heaven. So God is our Father. But he is our Father who is in heaven. I'm just going to be very brief on this. Just two ideas of heaven. And the first in Jewish understanding at Jesus' time is the heavens with the stars, the moon, and the sun. All of the elements up there. But the second was, it was the abode where God was. It was his heavens, the place where he acted to affect his purpose here on earth. Because God is over all and above all the world and he's not subject to the, the laws of nature as we are. In other words, God is the creator and sovereign Lord over all things. Now I'm going to go on. Somebody's received a text message. In Stained Play, which is our children's um, toddler group, I sing this song every week. Um, 
Going to play some music on a Wednesday morning. And this is the hardest part of all. I have to remember all the children's names. <laughs> now you might think I've got a Bob and I've got a Jane and I've got a Jill. No, no, no. I've got uh, Marson. I've got Nabon. I've got Casper, uh, uh, Leela. I've got very few Janes and Bobs, etc. And I tell you not what I like. If, if the kids notice uh, that I've not mentioned their names, that's okay, I can get away with it. But often, I'll get a parent saying, oh, what about such and such? What about my kid? Because I've forgotten to include them in that. Now, the names uh, used to be, uh, well, my, my kids' names, Joshua, Eden, Dylan, and Luca, none of them were named after a family member. And my family, John, Anne, Douglas, Iris, were all named after family members. And I was a lovely wee surprise six years later. And they didn't name me after a family member. They went to the Bible for my name. And they intentionally went to the Bible for my name. And my name in the Bible means beloved. And it was important for whatever reasons, my parents were not religious at that time, they didn't know the Lord at that time, but it was important for them at that point not to follow that trend of copying the names. Because name, that name for at that point in, in their life was important to go to the Bible. And names are undeniably significant in the New Testament or in Scripture as a whole. I'm going to get through just some of these things to get across this idea. Before we briefly look at what it means to hallow, I need to get across this idea that names and God names reflect more than just uh, as, as we sometimes get today, quirky ideas. In fact, it's Cardine here. Not that Cardine's name is quirky. Cardine's name was made up. I know that, and I was going to get her to say why it was made up, but she's not here. Names. So naming indicates a generic characteristic of the, the person. So for instance, the first human act of naming another person was when Adam says uh, to Eve, uh, Eve will be your name, and it indicated her significance as uh, the mother, the first, the, the, the mother of all things that were living. You'll be called woman because you're from me. A significant naming that went on there. And in the fallen world, we see rebellion against God, and that's epitomized when the Babel builders expressed their desire to make a name for themselves. And all those references are up there. By contrast, Abraham was told that God would make his name great. Abraham didn't have to go and make his own name great. God would make his name great. Abraham's response was uh, to obey God's call, to go to the land he was called to, and when he got there, he built an altar, and he, he called on the name of the Lord when he built that altar in that land. God reveals himself to Abraham as El Shaddai, and that's God Almighty. To Moses, God makes himself known as Yahweh, the Lord. In Exodus uh, 23, the Lord's name is actually being put on the angel who is to protect Israel. So an angel is protecting Israel and he has power because his name has been put on him. 
just as Paul had power to cast out demons because the name of Jesus, the authority of Jesus was placed on Paul and other disciples at that time. More specifically, Israel had God's name bestowed on them in Numbers 26. When Aaron and his sons were to give these words of blessing, they were pronouncing this over Israel, and the effect was that God stated, so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and because my name is on them, I will bless them. I'm going to go on. When they camped at the, the mountain of the Lord, and when Moses went up there to receive the commandments and they came down, the third commandment that they received from the Lord was, do not bear God's name falsely. Thus, when God's people show character that's godly, they, they live in a way that honors the Lord, God's name is glorified. However, when they profane his name by adultery and all sorts of other ways, reject what God has clearly called them to, we read in Isaiah 69 that they are like those who are not called by my name. It's as if the name of the Lord has been removed from them. Certainly the blessing of the Lord is removed when we are disobedient. So naming and names are significant on so many levels. Prince Charles' full name is this. His Royal Highness Prince of Charles, uh, Prince Charles Philip Arthur George, Prince of Wales, KG, KT, GCB, OM, AK, QSO, PC, ADC, Earl of Chester, Duke of Cornwall, Duke of Rothsey, Earl of Carrick, uh, Baron of Renfrew, Lord of the Isles and Prince and Great Steward of Scotland. Aye, right. <laughs> It might be long, it might be impressive, but does it really reflect who Charles is? However, God's name undoubtedly reveals who he is. Through his name, he is revealed. He is power. He is wisdom. He is holy. He is just. He is merciful. He is truth. He is with us, Abba, Father. So by petitioning that God's name be hallowed when we pray the Lord's Prayer. Remember, to the Father, we're actually meaning may God's name, may his character be known and glorified in the way I live. Because we are plan A when it comes to this age of the church, this age of the Spirit. Jesus says it is better if I go to be with my Father because then the paraclete, the helper, the enabler, the empower, the companion, the Holy Spirit will come and he will teach you all these things and he will lead you out. And many of us in here have experienced being born again. We know what it is to be forgiven our sins. We know the empowering of the Holy Spirit and what it means to daily take up a cross and follow him and go in, in, into the world and be salt and light, light and life ambassadors of Christ, as though Christ were making his very appeal through us. And he is. And so the name of the Lord is glorified when we hallow it, when we're obedient to the things that he has called us to. And the warning is he is dishonored and his name is shamed by how we behave, think, act, love, your neighbor is yourself. Pray for those who persecute you. Lots of tough things. Alice Cooper, you might like him or loathe him, um, but he says, crashing hotel rooms is easy. 
following Jesus Christ is hard. But that's plan A. And by hallowing the Lord, by living a life that's honoring to him, we hallow, we glorify, we bring praise to him. So it means to sanctify, to glorify, and I'm going to finish with this. So in praying, hallowed be your name, we're praying that God's name be sanctified. We're not praying that God's name be made holy because God's name is holy already. But we're actually praying, God, may your name be kept holy by who I am and what I do. But what my community of faith stands for, by the fact that we stand by the gospel truth that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That we don't try and do it in our own strength. That we don't try and race ahead of you and say, Lord, can you come and bless what we are doing over here? But we glorify, we hallow, we praise his name when we say, Lord, where are you at? What are you doing? I'm called to be there with you. I'm called by your name. And I want to be about your work in your spirit. So what? How do we hallow God's name? Some, you know, taming the tongue, avoiding swearing, not taking the Lord's name in vain, all of that sort of stuff. It's it's perhaps the least requiring aspect of hallowing God. But there's something quite crass when you hear believers say, oh my God. In our culture, when we know that that is taken completely out of, well, it's just a cuss. So maybe that doesn't glorify the Lord, but it's probably the least. But acknowledge who Jesus is. You have been bought at an unbelievable price. We were in there praying earlier on. I believe it was two words of knowledge that came out. And, and Mark, forgive me, and Mark, Michael, if I get this wrong, correct me. But maybe there's people in here who are wanting to be about the ministry that God has called them to, but they don't know what, but there's a desire, and you're seeking the Lord. There'd be a couple of brothers that'd like to pray with you about that. And someone, or some people in here who feel that they are unworthy. They're just not got it for whatever it may be. It might be the life, it might be the lifestyle, it might be the circumstances, it might be the lack of faith. Don't know. But again, a couple of brothers that'd love to pray with you and just bless you and listen to you and encourage you. And maybe they would further uh, revelation. Can you wave your hands so that people know? Wave up there if, if you would like. Um, but acknowledge who Jesus is. We've been called and appointed and set out. And so not by might not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And finally, just simply with your life, with your beliefs concerning him, glorify him. We cannot hallow God's name if we don't understand it. Specifically from the Lord's prayer, we need to understand more fully his Abba fatherhood. The deeper our understanding, the more depth there will be to our reverence. Of course, it's all a work of the Holy Spirit, but we must we must yield to that work. We understand the depth and wonder of Abba Father only through the Holy Spirit. So can you say Abba Father and mean it? And if not, come and pray with us. And we'd like to talk to you about this Jesus that we know. Luther, I think, was right. 
He says, we best hallow God's name when our life and our doctrine are truly Christian. When we pray our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, we are dedicating ourselves to lead lives that reverence all that he is. So as, as we get through uh, the Lord's Prayer, my encouragement would be that we would, our knowledge of that important prayer would grow, but our prayer life from that would grow. That this week I would encourage you every single day, for those who are part of this church family, every single day is in amongst all your prayer lists that I'm sure you have or even the prayer meetings that you'll go to, that you just take some time this week with that first clause and just allow God to speak to you. Allow the time, get rid of the distractions and maybe some things that I've waffled this morning will come to mind and maybe there'll be a different revelation, an old thing that you've forgotten, our Father who is in these heavens, hallowed be your name. And allow the Lord to lead you in that. Shall we pray together? Father, there is none like you. We can search for all eternity, but there is none like you. your way with us. I pray that you draw us into something new with you and a deeper intimacy that we've known for a lot that we've not known for a long time. I ask Father that you bring your healing for those who struggle with you as Father because of their own father or fathers they've known us or they've known of. And may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen.